1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Boy, it's good to be able to be here tonight. I appreciate you being here. I tell you, between COVID and no Sunday school, it's been a long time for these teachers. And uh, I told my wife last week, I said, I think I'm losing my voice. I don't think I'm starting to sound like a woman when I talk. But uh, Brother Tim, I appreciate the opportunity to stand before my church. Do you love your church? I'm telling you, you better be here while you can. Because we never know what this crowd that's getting ready to go in is going to do to us. Come every opportunity you get. If you don't have COVID, get over here. You need to be here. Love my church. I appreciate those um, men that uh, spoke Wednesday night. Brother Tim, I didn't know I was going to have to follow Jimmy Swagger. Those of you who wasn't here, old Brian would preach a while and he'd sing a while. Brian, you were a blessing. And I tell you, all those guys were a blessing to our heart that night. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be with you tonight. Y'all pray for us, and I won't hold you too long. You know, um, we just came uh, through a difficult year, but last year God gave us a good year. I know many of you have felt like I felt, and thank God that COVID didn't come in 2019. It would have destroyed everything that Brother Tim had planned for the year as our church celebrated 100 years of history. And we got through that fine. And then this COVID hit. But as we came to the close of last year, God laid this thought on my heart that I want to share with you tonight. We just ended 100 years of history at Woodland Baptist Church. I've had two preachers since I've been here. I've been here 50 years come April, me and my wife. I had brothers Zeno for 26, I guess, and brother Tim for 24 of those years. I've sat under good godly preaching. And I thank God for the men of God who have stood and preached to me and my family for those 50 years. You ought to love your church. And you ought to thank God for your church. But as I came to the close of 2019... In that first 100 years, I asked myself a question. What do I think the church will be? What will our church be 100 years from now? Now, I believe with all my heart, the church, the body of Christ, won't be here another hundred years. We may leave tonight, and it's fine with me. 
I'm ready to go. But should the Lord not come, just what do you suppose our church will look like in another hundred years? I tell you what, I thank God for the legacy of our church and Brother Zeno, the only pastors I've had, Brother Zeno and Brother Tim, I appreciate their ministries. But I think about those great Christian men and women who began this church a hundred years ago and what they must have stood for when they started this church. Will we continue as a church now in the legacy of those great men and women who paved the road that brought us to where we are tonight? We can't thank God enough for them. Or will the church veer off the pathway of fundamental Bible-believing preaching, good gospel songs that lift up Christ, good teaching, fundamental practice and morals, all those things. What do you think the church will look like a hundred years from now? What will this church look like any years from now? 20, 25, 30. I don't know about you, but as I grow a little older, that question really concerns me. And I hope it concerns you. Now, the older people in here, we may not have to worry about it much longer. But for you young couples, middle-aged couples, you better try your dead-level best to see that this church stays true to the Word of God. I want to tell you something. When I think about the great churches of our day, churches that we here at Woodland used to look up to and admire for their stand and for their preaching and for their principles and all those things. And then I think about where many of those churches are today, the direction they took on the pathway of life. It's troubling. Let me just stop and say one thing right now. This is the Bible. The King James is the Bible. They say they have other versions. I don't need a version. I got the Bible. This is the Word of God. Brother Ron Beatty came and preached to us. Brother Tim had him to come and preach, or teach rather, on how God had preserved His words down through the ages of time. And I want to tell you, he made one remark that really stuck with me, and it's so simple and profound. He said, things that are different are not the same. Buddy, you take one word out of this book, it ain't the same, let alone a verse 
This is the Bible. Stick with what works. Thought I'd throw that in. Brother Tim has told us so many times, and it's so true. Any church, I don't care who they are, and it could be Woodland, is only one preacher away from going the wrong direction. You know what that tells me? It rises and it falls on leadership. You ought to thank God for your preacher. I sure thank God for the two that I've had these years. I couldn't have had two better. I don't know where I could have gone to church and got two better. Thank God for good men of God. I want you to open your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to look at verses 5, 6, and 7. Paul says, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Paul said, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. It's all about God. It ain't about man. It's all about God. But you know what's interesting in these verses of Scripture is when you compare the word increase found in, this, in these verses of Scripture to what it says over in the book of Revelation, chapter number 3, verse number 17. Look at this verse. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Boy, there's a big difference in the word increase there. Paul was referring to souls. They're referring to goods, not souls. Paul said, I've watered, or I've sown. And Apollos says, watered, but God giveth the increase. He's talking about souls. He's not talking about goods and possessions. That's not what he's talking about. There was an increase there in Revelation chapter 3 because you see in chapters 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation, we're introduced to the seven churches. Each one of those churches represents a different period of time down through the dispensation of time. We're living under that last church, the church of Laodicea. And that was a church really God was not pleased with. Made him sick, as a matter of fact. And I think today there's many churches across our land, so-called churches, that are making God absolutely sick because they don't stand on the principles and the teachings of the Word of God. Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods. You know, I got to thinking about that, increased with goods. Look at all the goods we have today. There's many churches. I passed several churches coming from Clemens to right here on this end of Winston-Salem. Many churches. And their doors are closed. 
Sunday nights, their doors are closed. Wednesday night, their doors are closed. The parking lots are empty. The lights are on. The, beautiful, the building looks great. So we've got good structures in which to worship, but not enough faithful members to fill them. That's sad. Hey, it's the Lord's Day for heaven's sakes. If you can't give God the Lord's Day, my goodness, it's the Lord's Day. Look at all we have here at our church. Look at every. We got a good structure in which to worship, but thank God our doors are still open. You have the opportunity to come and to get into the services and come and worship the Lord. Get a chance, take a stroll away down the hall over there. As you come out of the lobby, go down the hall and look on your right there, and you'll see a little replica of the old first church building we had. Wood slat pews, pot belly stove, no money in the bank. Who was there? Oh, God was there. Okay, I thought you were there. I thought, man, you weren't there. But I think about all we used to have and what we got today. Now we sit on good, comfortable chairs. Matter of fact, we've ordered new chairs. Got a little money in the bank, doing a little renovating, got plans for another building. God's blessed our church. But I think God's blessed our church because we've done what Paul said in Corinthians. Some have sown, some have watered, but God giveth the increase. Where would you be tonight without a little sowing and watering? Somebody cultivated you, got you into this place. So there's churches with good structures, but not enough faithful people to fill the house of God. Increased with goods. Got a good standing in the world. You know, a lot of churches got good standings in the world, but they've lost the respect of the unsaved because of worldliness. That's sad. That is really sad. Look at verse number 3 of our text verses. For ye are yet carnal. For ye are yet carnal. Lost the respect of the unsaved people. I'll tell you something, folks. As long as the people we are around and we claim to be a Christian, and as long as the people that we are working with or associate with and are around maybe on a daily basis or trade with or whatever the circumstance might be, and they look at our life and they're lost and they don't see any difference, there's a danger there. A man I used to work with, me and my brother both, we worked with this gentleman. This was many years ago. And when we got saved back in, seven, in the 70s, early 70s, we began to witness to those that we worked with there. There was one boy I played golf with him a lot. He was a hard worker. He was a good man. And I tried my dead level best to get him to come to church with me. And you know the excuse he gave me? He pointed our boss out to me. Our boss was a so-called Sunday school teacher. Thank God it wasn't a Baptist church. It was one of them social 
churches. And I'm, I'm sad to say, but he was an educated man, college degree, engineer, but his vocabulary was full of four-letter words. Absolutely disheartening. And that man turned to me and he said, I'm good as old so-and-so, and he called our boss by name. And I called him by name and I said, you're better than he is. You don't talk like that. You don't act like that. But he never came to church. Carnal. Carnal. You are yet carnal. As long as people look at us and they don't see any difference, chances are they'll never be saved. Far as I know, that man died and he's in hell tonight. Good standing in the world lost the respect of unsaved people. Now how do we gain their respect? Be different. Just declare to be different. Let them see Christ in our life. Christ means Christ-like. And I tell you, I have to work at this. I really do. That word Christian means Christ-like. That means in my actions, in my speech, in everything that I do, it ought to represent Christ. And I think, how many times do I come short of that? And then I realize people are looking at us. Brianna asked me tonight if I knew a, if I knew a lady. Uh, I won't call her name. Y'all might know her. But I said, I'm sorry, I don't know her. And she said, well, she knows you. And I said, oh, boy. You know, man, when did she see me? You know, what was I doing when she saw me? How did she know me? It's scary. That's a scary thing. Let them see Christ in your life. We got good, uh, good structures in which to worship, but not enough faithful people to fill them. You can ride by these mausoleums and these beautiful churches. I'll pass several going home tonight, and I promise you the parking lots will be empty. I promise you they will. We got a good strategy or good standing in the world, but we've lost the respect of the unsaved because of worldliness. We've got good strategies to win the lost, but there's fewer baptisms and salvations each and every year. Why do you think Brother Tim pushed baptism so hard? What was it, two years ago? That was in 18 when he pushed baptisms. Set a high number for baptisms. Why do you think he did that? Because you see, we believe that they've got to get saved before they get baptized. So that meant souls. It's all about souls winning people to the Lord. I just stopped and thought about all that we put into uh, reaching the lost within our own ministry here. I mean, of course, these are unusual times, but we used to have Sunday school, and I'm praying it'll start again one day. But all, and we got good teachers, and they ground the classes in the Word of God. On a normal Sunday morning during a normal period of time, there's four or five preaching services going on in this building, and it's all geared toward one thing, reaching the lost. It's all about that. 
Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, radio broadcast, bus ministry. We can tell the bus ministry's running again. Little kids are being baptized. That ought to be a mark on us. Should have been being baptized. I, I said us before the bus ministry got cranked up again. Do you know many churches across our land are having fewer and fewer salvations and baptisms every year? What's sad, they've got away from the Bible. They got them a new version of the Word of God. Many are more interested in psychology and philosophy than they are in salvation. If you're a Joel Osteen lover, I challenge you. I challenge you. Watch him sometime and see if he ever says anything about being saved. How to be saved. Brother Tim, I hate to admit this before the whole church, but there was a couple that used to come here. They sat right in there about where Josh and Amy are sitting. And I used to go by, they, I was trying to get him into discipleship class. And, 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 and his wife said, well, he won't come. He watches Joel Osteen before we come. I said, Lord God. So I asked him, have you ever seen Joel Osteen tell anybody on his live broadcast with a full arena how to be saved? They don't come no more. I'm sorry. But God did not plan on philosophy and psychology to reach the world. But what he relied on was the Word of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Look at verse number 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The world thinks we're crazy. They literally think we're crazy. They think this is a spit shield. It ain't a spit shield. It's a COVID shield. But they think we're crazy. They really do. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's what Paul said. Churches increased with goods. Good structures in which to worship. Not enough faithful people to fill them. Got a good standing in the world, but we've lost the respect for the unsaved people because of worldliness. Got good strategies to win the lost, but fewer and fewer being saved and baptized every year. I hate to be sad and gloomy, but I'm just being truthful. Now what we've just said is true in so many churches across our land today. But thank God there are some exceptions to the rule. There are still good churches 
thank God for good, fundamental, Bible-believing churches. We're not the only church that still has Sunday night and Wednesday night prayer meeting. We're not the only church that still runs buses. We're not the only church that still believes in going out and knocking on doors and reaching people for the cause of Christ. There's still a lot of good churches in our area. But I'm talking about what's our church going to look like on down the road. Bothers me. Really, really bothers me. So, is it possible to have the increase that Paul was referring to here when he was talking about souls? Sure is. But to do so, you've got to observe a few simple spiritual truths. What does it take? Three things. It takes an abiding relationship with Christ. Look at John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. You've got to stay connected. Got to stay connected. Now when I say stay connected, not only to Christ, but you've got to stay connected to your church. Stay connected. I'm telling you, if we do things God's way, what did he say? Ye shall bring forth much fruit as long as we stay connected to the vine. My dad had a pear tree right behind the house. And every other year, boy, that thing would put out pears because daddy would prune that tree. He would take out a limb here and there. And those old limbs laying on the ground, I don't tell you, they didn't bring no pears. They didn't bring forth no pears. Daddy threw them in a little pile over there and probably burnt them but they didn't bring forth any fruit. You've got to stay connected. Have an abiding relationship with Christ. You've got to accept the responsibility of His commission. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. God made it possible for me to come to Him through Jesus Christ. He reconciled me and you to Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. Then He gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. That means it's our responsibility to go out, to be a witness, and to try to reach others, get them in the house of God, get them under the Word, Win them while you're there, whatever. But God has given us this ministry of reconciliation. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Don't stop trying to win people to the Lord. Don't quit trying to be a witness for the Lord. Thirdly, it takes an acknowledgement of the reality of His promise. Verse 6 says, God gives the increase. Some sow, some water, but God gives the increase. Just acknowledge the promise that God's made us. 
Now, when that increase is not evident, there's reasons for it. Three things and we'll be done. One, a lack of learning. Look in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, look at verses 1 and 2. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. A lack of learning. That's what Sunday school is all about. That's what the discipleship program is all about. Grounding people in the Word of God so that you're not blown away by every old wind of doctrine. That you'll be stable in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not to remain babes in Christ for all of our life. But we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. We're to grow. You know, when a newborn babe is born, growth is all dependent upon your appetite and your diet. Without the proper diet, you're not going to grow physically. And without the proper spiritual diet, you're not going to grow spiritually. But there's one thing we don't have to teach a young baby to do. That's eat. There's no instructions for getting that child to eat. He comes out sucking and looking for a bottle. He's sucking his thumb till he stick the bottle in his mouth. He's ready to eat. Ready to eat. But you'll never grow spiritually if you don't stay in the house of God. If you don't read God's Word and if you don't pray, you'll never grow spiritually. I don't care what you tell me, it ain't the same at a campsite. It ain't the same out of town in another church. It ain't the same. You might say you went to church, but did you really go to church? It ain't the same. Hey, there's a lack of learning. There's a lack of loving. Look at verse 3 of our Scripture text, verse 3. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, and every and ye are, uh, are ye not carnal and walk as men? I can't think of a sadder description of a church than verse number 3. Envying, strife, division, carnality. What a sad... I would not blame anyone for not wanting to come to my church if that was the description of my church. I definitely wouldn't feel bad if they didn't join my church if that was the description of my church. But it's not the description of Woodland Baptist Church. One thing that's held the same for all the 50 years that I've been around here, which I am hard to break, and that's shaking hands. Hugging necks. Getting close to people and telling them how much you love them and appreciate It's hard. I'm trying to observe that six-inch rule. 
But it's hard, huh? It's hard. The only thing that's good that's come out of this COVID is we spread these chairs around and now I'm able to walk through them and, and meet people. I, I guess I'm not social distancing too good, but I am meeting a lot of people that I don't get to meet when they're all jammed together. It's the only thing I've seen that's come good out of it. Where'd I get to? Lack of loving. That's not the personality of our church. People are made welcome here. Tim adopted that slogan. You're not just welcome, you're wanted. That's a good slogan. I think Brother Zeno's was, uh, we're, the, we're Winston-Salem's most unusual old-fashioned Baptist church. I think that was the slogan he used all back through those days. You're not just welcome, you're wanted, though. That's the one we got now. And we're still Winston-Salem's most unusual old-fashioned Baptist church. We sure are. Lack of learning, a lack of loving. But there's also a lack of laboring. Look at verse 9 of our text scriptures. And here's what it says. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Lack of loving. Folks, I'm going to close by just telling you a few little things here. If we're going to continue down the road that our forefathers pay for us, then we're going to have to continue to have a growing ministry here at Woodland Baptist Church. We must continue to go reach people. you got to. I'll, I'll assure you one thing. I wasn't sitting at home and just thought one day, you know, we need to go to church. Now, my wife did. She told me, she said, honey, we need to go to church. Because, see, we were brought up in church. And she said, we need to go to church. And we tried a few. But, you know, uh, we went to one, and it was a Baptist church. It wasn't a fundamental Baptist. It was, it was a Baptist. And uh, what they were interested in was getting you to join, but they weren't interested in getting you into the family of God. And I'd grown up in church, and I knew the difference there. But folks, there's pain in laboring. Pain is associated with laboring. You take a mother, expect it with a child. Now, I can't... Uh, I can't say this. I, I, I've been told this. But a woman goes through the labor pains near the point of death in pain. Bringing that child into this world. But jury, what about the joy of holding that newborn babe? that your wife went through all that pain to deliver. What about you with young children? I remember the first time I held my daughter in my arms. I couldn't believe this was ours. Hard to believe. Isn't it, Josh? Hard to believe anybody. Man, that's ours. I prayed for them, and I was lost, brother. And here I am praying. 
But I prayed for a blue-eyed, blonde-haired girl. And even then, before I saved, God gave me a blue-haired. Well, that's not unusual today, is it? Excuse me if you got blue hair on tonight. Blue-eyed, blonde-haired daughter. And then the first time I saw my grandson, nothing like it. But there's also pain in going, knocking on doors. John D. Moxley, I don't believe, is here tonight. He was here this morning. But in 1971, Brother John D. came by our apartment, just knocking on doors. Just thought he'd go visit a few people, invite them to a revival meeting that Woodland was having. Led my wife to the Lord. I got saved that night. My brother and sister-in-law, Pete and Jackie, they got saved the final night of that revival meeting. Where would I be had John not put forth a little effort in laboring, knocking on a few doors? I wonder where me and my family might be tonight. There's pain in laboring, but oh, the joy when you're able to hug that newborn child of God and welcome him into the family of God. It's worth all the efforts. Bus workers, it's worth all the efforts you put into it. Reaching others for Christ. If you're a member of Woodland Baptist Church, it is our responsibility to contribute to the growth of this church. Oh, that's the preachers. Well, I beg to differ. Brother Tim does all those things, but God also called him to pastor and to, and to preach. That's the only difference between you and your preacher. You don't pastor and lead the church. All the other things he does, you're to do. It's our responsibility. So I go back to my question. What is our church going to look like down the road? It's a sobering question. You need to pray about it. Stay in your church. And whoever follows Brother Tim, if he don't stand by the King James Version and old Brother Vic ain't here, you kick his hind end right out the door. I'm telling you. Stick with the book. The other are versions. There's only one book. Stick with the book. Every head bowed, every eye closed.